Um, so this morning, I'm just going to, if you've got your Bibles with you, can you turn please to uh, 2 Corinthians? Oh, slightly different. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3. And we're going to read a few, a few verses from there. Um, but before we, before we actually read those verses, uh, does everybody remember the account of when Moses went up Mount Sinai to, uh, and God gave him Ten Commandments? Yes, more. Okay, if, there was, if you don't remember it, there was a moment when Moses went up Mount Sinai and God gave him the Ten Commandments. When Moses came down, what was different about him? His face was just like radiant and shining. And, you know, I sometimes, okay, so why was Moses' face shining? It, it'd been in the glory of God. I would, sometimes my, the only time my face really shines is when I'm running for a train and I get really out of breath and I sort of get there and I'm sweating and I, I feel my face is glowing. But I would really love my face to shine because I've been in the presence of God. It would be quite good, wouldn't it? If you just think, oh, it was so good. We're going to read some of this passage from uh, Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth. In fact, I don't, I don't know if you knew, but Paul wrote four letters to um, the church in Corinth. Two of them are lost. I would really love to know what was in the other two letters, but this is the second letter uh, that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And the church in Corinth, trust me, was a complete mess. It was chaotic. There were people doing stuff in that church in Corinth that would make your sort of like your toes curl. It was like, it was horrendous what was going on, some of the things that were going on in the church in Corinth. And so Paul wrote to them and he said this, and we're, we, this is the, the passage we're going to read. And he said, look, if Moses went up the mountain and got those Ten Commandments, and those Ten Commandments had a, had a habit of making people feel guilty. That's what the Ten Commandments did. Because God was saying, no, this is what you can't do. And so they suddenly realised, oh, this is the law. And actually, early on, it says actually it was a ministry of, uh, Paul says it's a ministry of death. It made people feel condemned. But if, even if that covenant, that promise could make Moses' sh face shine, how much more is going to make God going to make your face shine? And you know when Andy was praying earlier, and then when Christine was come up and saying all these things about God is doing stuff, sometimes your face will shine brighter in a dark place. You know? And we want our lives to be really sorted and really happy and everything to be like really hunky-dory. We want everything to be working really well. And we're thinking, when that, is, when that is right, when all of my life is really good and perfect, then I'm going to shine for Jesus and it's going to be great. But, but I just need to let you know that's not often how it works. It's not. Actually, sometimes our lives shine for Jesus when we're in a darker place. And we don't always want to sort of celebrate that. But my friends, that is the truth. That sometimes when life is not so easy, God gives us the capacity to shine really brightly for him. I've had just stories this week of people in their work situation, and it hasn't been easy, it's been quite difficult. But them shining for Jesus. And people knocking on the door saying, would you pray for me? People are not Christians at all, but they've just seen something. It's not, I, I suspect it's not their face shining. It'd be a bit embarrassing if it was, but I suspect there's something about their life and the way they live. They've just, oh, they've shined something of Jesus in the middle of a dark place. That's what we want, isn't it? We want our lives to be shining 
for Jesus. The, the verse from 2 Corinthians, before the bit we're going to read, it says, If the old way, which brings condemnation, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way, which makes us right with God? How much more should our lives shine? So anyway, let's uh, read, shall we? 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3. And we're going to read, um, oh, brilliant, is that there? We're going to read verse 12. We're going to read nine verses, uh, verse 12 of chapter 3 to verse 2 of chapter 4. Here we go. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because it's only through Christ that it is taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, <clears throat> beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Can I read that verse again? Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we've renounced disgraceful, underhand ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open, open statement of truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. I think these... Um, these verses contain what I think is probably going to be one of the most encouraging, uplifting verses in the Bible. It's this extraordinary moment that when we, when we turn to Jesus and when we welcome him, we, he gives us freedom. Now, sometimes we might not always think we've got freedom because we might have mortgages or rent to pay or, or children to pay. And we're still sort of like constrained. But deep down, fundamentally, God gives us freedom. And not only that, but he does this. He's going to promise that every day, Pete, he's going to make you more like Jesus. And guess what? It's not just Pete. But he's promised to take us on a journey of every day making us a little bit more like Jesus. When we turn to him and when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so today is, um, I just want to, it's a very simple plea. We've been doing a sort of like a... A, uh, a really amazing preaching series that we finished uh, two weeks ago, um, uh, three weeks ago, when Tim preached Jesus is Lord, all these statements about who God is. It's just an amazing time. So another, we've got a few weeks of just like one or two different sermons. But today, I just wanted to come back and say, to have a plea. We've got these two amazing guys that are going to get baptised later. We've got to do it over there, by the way, because we can't, we can't have the water pool in here. So we've got to go through there and get it. But these two guys, a plea for those two guys and for us as a church and for anybody that we're involved in is to be men and women of the word and the spirit together. 
word and spirit together. When you do that, it's just this extraordinary moment. And so firstly, you know, just to press in and to celebrate and to enjoy and to delight the work of the Holy Spirit more and more and more. And at the same time, to dig deeply and richly and submit our lives to the word of God. And I'm sure we've, we've probably all seen, you know, like churches or believers. And we've seen, you know, I, sometimes you go to some churches and they're just, they're so on fire for the Holy Spirit. And they're sort of like, they're just all, oh, you know, they're just, it's amazing, it's amazing freedom. But sometimes you're thinking, but they're never actually reading the, you know, you wonder how much they're reading the Bible. And then sometimes you go to some other churches and you think they're just extraordinary. They're unpacking the Bible in such an amazing way. But you just come away thinking it's just a little bit dry. And yet somehow God has said, no, it must be the word and the spirit together. The moment we separate the word and the spirit, the Bible, what God is saying to us and the spirit, we're in deep trouble. <laughs> we're in deep trouble. You know, I guess many of you heard this saying that if, we have, if you have the word but not the spirit, you dry up. And if you have the spirit and not the word, then you blow up. But if you have the word and the spirit together, you grow up. That's, and I think we have to almost fight for this thing. In fact, can I just read a, um, a, very, a very short uh, quote from a, a guy that I absolutely love, a guy called uh, Martin, Martin Lloyd-Jones. And this is what he says about the word and the spirit. He says this, the word and the spirit must be kept together always. The spirit has provided for us the instruction found in the word, but we cannot use it without him. It just means we can't, it's impossible. You can't have, you can't have a church that is just a word church or just a spirit. It's impossible. You can't have really, they have to go together. You can't really read the Bible without the spirit of God coming and showing you what it is. Um, it, it can be, the, the Bible can be a dead letter to us because the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. What is needed is the spirit opening the word and opening my mind and opening my heart. As long as you keep the two together, as the Apostle Paul does, you cannot possibly go wrong. But if you separate them, the devil has already divided in order that he may conquer, as it were. He has done that very, very often throughout the long history of the church. So all I just want to say, as we look at people getting baptised and as we see the church growing, now we have to retain this sense of the, the word and the spirit together. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know, it, it is difficult, but the, the, sort of the whole Jewish faith is built on obeying laws. You know, that is, that is what, you know, we all, we've got neighbours and, and friend, my, like some of my neighbours, my, my wonderful neighbour gave me his parking ticket so I could go to the Spurs ground yesterday and watch a, a rugby match there. And it was great. I mean, they're just, but actually the whole thing is, is built around obeying the law, just doing certain things to get right with God. But sometimes when we think, oh, but we're different, aren't we? We're different from that. But sometimes we can get into a place where actually being a Christian is about, I don't know, how much money we give or what we dress like or I don't know what we do with our time or the films that we watch. We can still get into this whole thing of obeying the law of what, of what we should be doing. And if we ever get to that place of our faith is about what we do, we've lost it again. We have to have the spirit of God coming in and blowing through us. Jesus liberates us from that futile attempt to live perfect lives. But when we turn to Christ, 
We're filled with the Holy Spirit and with unveiled faces we can come and enjoy him. And that is why we have all these, mo- I just want to say, that's why we have all these moments like the Holy Spirit night that we'd be doing with Christchurch and, you know, up at Christchurch and also here. And we want to have time and space for the Spirit of God to move. And, and we, you know, when Andy came and shared and when Christina shared, we, uh, please, like, st- let's stir ourselves to hear the prophetic voice of God coming in. And if you feel God is saying, well, come and speak to Cooley down here. and says, I feel God is, wait, that's what we want. In the church, we want to stir ourselves to have space and time for the Holy Spirit to, 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 um, to be at work in our lives. On Friday morning, we had this, we always have our wonderful prayer meeting, and you're always welcome to join us. Anybody is, 6.30. It's a bit early, but you're welcome. All we do is we just pursue the Spirit. That's what we want to do. We just want to say, Holy Spirit, come and have your freedom in our midst. And the, the, like the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so like, then on Sunday, like Jerry prayed out. We were all just praying. Rah, 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 rah. We were all going for it. And then Jerry prayed out, prayed out in tongues. But he wasn't praying out in tongues as in quietly so that nobody else would like hear. He said, no, I'm going to pray in tongues. And then I thought, well, if Jerry's praying in tongues, what 1 Corinthians 12 is, I have to bring an interpretation. So then I brought some interpretation. You just think, but there was something about those gifts of the Spirit. And like we can lose them. I, I just need to encourage us to stir them up. Don't let them go down. We must, we must keep stirring those gifts up more and more. And I don't know what it looks like in church because like, if you don't come to church very often and somebody speaks some gobbledygook language which is speaking, so you think, what else going on? They're mad. <laughs> well, yeah, we might be. But it is also what it says in Corinthians. Do it in order. Maybe one or two or three people speak in tongues and somebody bring an interpretation. We have to stir, because sometimes it's awkward, you know, but we have to keep going with what God has called us to be a people of the Spirit, praying for power. The Holy Spirit does loads of things, by the way. It's not just those gifts, okay? The Holy Spirit comforts us, teaches us, helps us to pray, convicts us of sin, makes us more like Jesus, but he also gives us these gifts that we have to step into. And also, the Bible says, like, he will empower us from on high. You know, when when I want to pray with people... I don't want to pray just a nice prayer that makes them feel like they've had a cup of tea and a biscuit. I want the power of God to break into their lives so strongholds are broken. I want to pray for people so that we see them healed. That's what I want to see more and more. And we have to stir ourselves and keep us going. 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. You can just read it. It's, It's extraordinary. That's how the church grew. The church didn't grow with just some intellectual pursuit of some philosophy. It grew because the power of the Holy Spirit was at work in our life. However, it's word and spirit together. The word is utterly essential. I've got this. I always really love the. Does anybody know the guy, Brother Andrew? Does anybody know his surname? No, nobody knows his surname. I don't know why, but anyway. Cooley, brother, he wasn't brother. Brother Andrew, okay, was a, he was a Dutch uh, missionary. And what he used to do is he used to smuggle Bibles into uh, the Iron Curtain. There you go. That is Brother Andrew. Who knows what his surname is? Let's just, anyway. Uh, that is his VW van, his VW car, okay. 
What he used to do is, he used to pack that car full of Bibles, absolutely full, as full as he could get it. Okay, so I don't know if you know about a VW car, the engine's in the boot, so the engine's at the back, so you lift up the bonnet, and it would just be laid, for, in fact, um, Joshua, can you just go to the next, go to the next slide, there you go. That, that is Brother Andrew, okay, of, he of mysterious surname, okay. Those are some of the Bibles, okay, so just go back again, can you, Joshua, okay, yeah. So what, he, he would just pack that, that car full of Bibles, and then he would drive through the Iron Curtain. So you know when communists sort of like, um, the Iron Curtain came down, and you know, it's, it's prescient because at the moment, who knows what is going to be happening about an iron, a new Iron Curtain falling. But Brother Andrew knew that the church needed to grow, and what did the church need to grow? They needed Bibles. They needed the Word of God. Can I just read you the story? So this is about Brother Andrew smuggling Bibles into Romania through the Iron Curtain. Brother Andrew approached the Romanian border in his car, which was packed with illegal Bibles. He could only hope that the border guards were moving swiftly and not paying much attention, which might allow him to pass through undetected. But just as he was hoping this, Brother Andrew saw the guards stop the car in front of the, at the front of the line. He watched in anticipation as the vehicle's owners were forced to take out all of the car's contents and spread them on the ground for inspection. Each car that followed received the same treatment, with the fourth car's inspection lasting the longest. The guard took a full hour to sift through it, including removing hubcaps, taking the engine apart, and even removing the seats. Dear Lord, Brother Andrew remembers praying, what am I going to do? As he prayed, a bold idea came to Brother Andrew. I know that no amount of cleverness on my part can get me through this border search. Dare I ask for a miracle? Let me take some of the Bibles out, Lord, and leave them in the open where they will be seen. Putting the Bibles out in the open would truly be depending on God rather than his own intelligence, he thought. So when the guards ushered Andrew to come forward, he did this. I handed in my papers and started to get out, but the guard's knee was against the door holding it closed. And then the almost unbelievable happened. The guard looked at Brother Andrew's passport and abruptly waved him on. Surely 30 seconds had not passed. Brother Andrew started the engine and began pulling away, all the while wondering if he was supposed to pull over so that the car could be taken apart and examined. I coasted forward, my foot poised above the brake. Nothing happened. I looked out of the rearview mirror the guard was waving the next car to stop, indicating that the driver had to get out. God had cleared a way for Brother Andrew to smuggle the Bible to Christians who had no access to God's word. The truth is this, we have to be a church of the Spirit, where the Spirit blows through. But we have to have the Word of God. We have to spend time, whenever it is, in the morning or afternoon and evening, just reading our Bibles and allowing God's God's word to come and soak into our lives. And it says the verses that we read, I will not tamper with God's word. That's what Paul was saying. The interesting thing is that word, it means, I'm not going to, it's what the uh, wine merchants used to use that word when they were watering down the, their wine to sell, to make it go a little bit further. So they would water wine down. And it's the same word. And what it's saying is we're not going to water down what, God words, what God's word says. We cannot do that. It's really funny. We, uh, this, 
No, it wasn't last week, it was the week before the staff went on this conference, Resonate conference, and we listened to a guy called Pete Hughes, who is the vicar at KXC Church at King's Cross. Really good guy. Really, really enjoyed listening to him. But one of the questions that he asked is this. He said, how authoritative do you see this word to be? How much are we willing to submit to what the Bible is saying? And he, the interesting thing is that Pete pointed out that actually one of the great sort of like, I don't know, the, the strongholds or the idol of our age today is this, that we are our own masters, that we can do what we want to do. We are autonomous. We are a law unto ourselves. We can do our own thing. We, we, we can choose what is right. And yeah, this is, but we just need to know that this Bible is not like, it's not a helpful guide. It's not a storybook. It's not something that will help. This is God speaking to us. This is the word of the Lord spoken into our lives. And, and you know, that the, the thing is that people just say, oh, I want to be free. I want to do whatever I want. True freedom is not the absence of any boundaries, but it is the right boundaries in place. The Garden of Eden, which was supposed to be the freest place ever in the whole history of humanity and the world, the whole place, it was the freest place in the whole world. Was it without boundaries? No. There was one boundary. And God said, no, this is right. It was about right boundaries being in place. And so we need to wrestle with scripture. We need to understand it. And we also, I need to learn what it is to put ourselves under scripture. And not just say, okay, I take this bit. This is really good. I really agree with that. And I'm going to really sort of like believe that. But this bit here is inconvenient. And I'm not so sure about that. And I think I'm going to find another interpretation of that. And I, we, we do laugh, but I, let, let me tell you, I find that quite hard. <laughs> and I've, I've mentioned before that some of my friends have called me medieval <laughs> in the nicest possible way. They say, you, you're nonsense. You're, you're so stupid to believe that. But somehow I have to think, I'm not above God's law. I'm not above God's word. There are a few, few reasons just to mention that. Firstly, I just need to ask you, how much are you reading the Bible? And I'm not talking about reading it because you think, ah, I've got to read my Bible. <laughs> I just think, how often do we, re do we create some time just to read it and to read through a book and to see what God is saying to you? And just say, God, how are you going to speak to me? The second thing is that I, I believe that God spoke to me about one of the ways that revival will come into our land is that when I... Duncan Hanton, obey the commands of Jesus that I find most awkward. And the things that Jesus said, the things that Jesus said that I agree with, yeah, that's fine, I'll do those. <laughs> the things he said that are just inconvenient, I believe there's something about me submitting my life to when I obey those things, God will work. And then the third reason I want to just say we're submitting ourselves to the Bible is that in June, we're going to tackle a whole series on sexuality. So we're going to be looking at all issues of singleness, of marriage, cohabiting, pornography, LGBT, the gender issues. Now, yeah, we look a bit scared <laughs> doing that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You think, oh my word, that, what, that's quite awkward, you know, because it's contentious, isn't it? You know, we will all be called medieval. <laughs> and, and we won't get it all right. 
trust me, you know, we were fallible, we won't, we will, we will struggle and we will, but I just need to let you know that our intention in doing that is to say this, as best that we are able, that we will read what the Bible says, we will try to understand it, we will try to grapple with it, and then my friends, we'll submit to it, <laughs> submitting to the word of God, that's how we become a, a spirit, a word and spirit church together. I think if we can take hold of that, some, some churches I think will, will, will struggle, but it is a struggle. We just need to know there is a struggle. There are real sort of conflicts in there. But I want us to ask that we would be a church of word and spirit together, allowing the spirit of God to breathe into our lives. So in a moment, we're just going to, we're going to watch the, we're going to, I don't know, I'm going to hand over to Cooley, but we're going to go through there and watch these guys. But can I just ask you to stand in a moment and we're going to ask now that the Holy Spirit, in fact, let's just stand here, sorry. I realised I, realized I let the cat out of the bag with that one. Yeah. Just going to ask and invite the Holy Spirit to come and fill us afresh. And not just to fill us afresh so that we feel good or feel happy. But we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us with power from on high. God's promise is that I'm going to pour my spirit out on all people. There's no exception. If you turn to Christ, if you look to him, he will fill you with your Holy, his Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you. Jesus, we just ask that we would, we would get this right, that we would listen to what you and your Father have spoken through scriptures, that we would submit ourselves to it, even when it's difficult, even when it's costly. And we ask Jesus, would you send your Holy Spirit on us now to come fill us afresh? Come fill us with on, up from on high. God, we ask.